Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Michael Parker, the host and producer of over 300 episodes of contents related to the mysteries of human history, science, the occult, and so-called conspiracy theory. His weekly internet television show Antidote for the Lib TV and radio shows like Dark Matter and the Electric Pyramid have established him as a leader in the discussion of controversial subjects like transhumanism, secret societies, alleged government conspiracies, the paranormal, mind control, ancient civilizations, true crime, and more. Currently, he produces HiddenTruthShow.com. Thank you for joining the podcast, Michael. How is the Great Reset going uh, in LA or wherever you are? That is a great question about the Great Reset. How is the Great Reset going in California? Well, we just had a Great Reset style uh, recall election last week in which our um, gruesome Newsom uh, governor uh, retained his pulpit as a bully pulpit. So he is now still our governor for another year. And um, I don't know, man, I've lived in California since Labor Day of 1990. That's my first day in Los Angeles. And uh, I came originally from Texas. And I just a little background for your listeners. I grew up on a farm. I then went to college um, at Texas Christian University, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. And immediately upon graduating, I uh, joined punk rock bands and did that for quite a while. And um, and then I moved out here, worked in the music industry. I met my wife. My wife is Australian and um, worked in the music industry. Most of my life has been, most of my work career has been involved in entertainment style uh, companies. But where that brings us now is in the time that I've been here, the last several years, I would say, have been... My life is very comfortable. I'm I'm blessed. I I I have a wonderful family and 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 a home and those things. But what disappoints me is when I look around uh, to the rest of Los Angeles and what I see and 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 just friendships that have come and gone as a result in this changing political climate. It 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 brings me sadness. I'm not going to lie. And the Great Reset. I was asked about a month or so ago um, if I would join this person I've appeared on other podcasts with. He, he's a writer on the New York, on uh, in the East Coast and really cool guy. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants to be brought up, but he was asking me, hey, would you want to do something on the Great Reset? And his, it's funny because he goes, because I don't really think it's a thing, you know, but we could, you know, I'm sure you have an opinion of it. Like, well, of course it's a thing. I mean, I know you're going to know this, but do you remember the first week of November um, Time Magazine had on its cover the Great Reset. It had an article by Klaus Schwab in which he said, "Yes, you know, we can we can have a, a newer economy, but we're going to have to reimagine capitalism." Well, that's just pure bollocks. I mean, that's just. I mean, we already have capitalism in a way that functions. So he's trying to make it. Um, he's trying to make this sweet pill out of this bitter idea. And when I look around at Los Angeles, Los Angeles has just descended into. You know, when people say it's third world, that's an exaggeration. But there are portions of Los Angeles that look like a third world country. Um, and I don't see immediate solutions taking place that are going to change this. Now, the thing that is the most concerning to me about all of this, because we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of different things, COVID, Great Reset. Um, and you mentioned media and you became aware of me via antidote. And one of the things, the enemy and the answer are the same thing to me, and that is media control of information. Because you know there is there is physical force, and there is intellectual force. 
And right now, the United States, not just the United States, but the United States in particular, is being bludgeoned through the use of intellectual force. And that intellectual force comes comes from this media state partnership in which, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I can't even watch major network news. It is so appallingly bad and banal. And the only time that you can believe them is when they are saying something that behooves their particular political bend. The rest of the time, it's up for grabs. And um, I guess what I would say is to all the all the problems that we're going to discuss today, all of them, I believe, could be solved through intellectually honest debate and and conversation. And that is actually the sign of a true civilization, right? Is to be able to discuss ideas even when you're opposed to them, but try to derive an answer. So I, I know that was a really long-winded answer to your question about LA and the Great Reset, but LA kind of sucks right now. Yeah, I would just add, it's funny how, you know, Gavin Gavin uh, Newsom uh, wins, and then we saw Trudeau, all, all of these establishment, W World Economic Forum folks just seem to be, you know, uh, winning. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing your wife is glad she's not in Australia right now and that she's in, in, in the U.S. Um, so- yes, so I, I, I would just, uh, I guess I would add, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how life uh, happens. You know, as you mentioned, your show, The Antidote, half a decade ago, I was regularly watching your show, Antidote. It was really one of my, my favorites because you, you. Were, you were telling it like it is, kind of like what I'm trying to do. I guess you would be one of my uh, many uh, influences and you were having, you were speaking to people across uh, the spectrum, which is what I try to do. I've always been like that. You know, when I was studying my master's in Geneva, Switzerland, I was uh, at, uh, with my sister. She was studying uh, as well. And we had our apartment and our apartment was like the go to place. So everyone from uh, all, you know, it was all nationalities. Every weekend they were hang- we, hanging out at, at our apartment. And so I'm always ta- we were always ta- talking. We were hosting people, you know, you know with all- Muslims, Christians. And I always respect the person, you know, yes. we can disagree politely. You know, but um, and that's hard. It's hard to do this uh, today. So, so, anyways, you know, it just happened that I started a podcast, and now it gives me this opportunity to talk to you. And you know, I was sad when Antidote disappeared. Um, at first, I was like, you know, wh- where are the next episodes? What's going on? Uh, but you know, another thing I picked up picked up on, I, I kind of felt that towards the end, Lib TV was going too far uh, leftist, liberal, woke, kind of like the Young Turks and some of the garbage we have today. And I actually, in the beginning, used to enjoy uh, Young Turks, but it seems they've all gone from anti-establishment to being absorbed by the establishment. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, the media scene back then and, and today? Your, your intuition about what was happening is exactly what happened. And initially, there was a relationship between Lip TV and the Young Turks. And um, it's funny because the Young Turks... I heard through the grapevine, they kind of liked some of my work initially. <laughs> but I mean, um, within the Lip TV family of the, all the people who worked there, and I would say there's, I don't know, there was like 30 of us, maybe a you know, crew, and then all the, maybe actually, maybe that's too many. Let's say 20 to 30 people, okay, from top to bottom, hosts, uh, production team, management, et cetera. I was one of maybe two, maybe three people that were not uh, straight up Democrats. And um, listen, in my life, I have voted Republican. I voted Democrat. I voted Green. I have voted Independent. And you mentioned in one of your shows something that's very important, which is, you know, 
if we're thinking human beings, our ideas are constantly evolving, hopefully. And, you know, there have been times when, when I first started out doing this in 2006, it was the first show I ever had, you know, I, and at that point, I'd been hired to do a show that was kind of like coast to coast. There was a there was a media company that I was working for, and they wanted to get into internet radio. And they're like, Parker, you know about weird stuff. Can you do a coast to coast kind of show? And I'm like, well, of course. And I love doing it. My point being is, you know, I interviewed some people then that I kind of cringe when I think about it now, but it's, you know, we're learning by doing, right? And our ideas will change over time. If we're beholden to a, a single point of view, um, then that's going to take us down a road that's not honest. So back to Antidote and Lip TV, it, it's funny because I remember doing a couple of episodes and then when I would get off um, the set, the production team were like, Parker, we love you, man, but why aren't you on board with Bernie Sanders? I'm like, listen, I don't really have a problem with Bernie Sanders, but if you think that the Democratic, the DNC and the Clinton cabal is going to allow that guy to have the nomination, you're high. That is just never, ever going to happen. And, you know, I'm sorry if I'm breaking it to you, but also I don't agree with some of the things he has to say. That doesn't mean I, I wouldn't love to hang out with the guy and have a beer. And he seems like a fun guy, but it was just, you know, almost borderline sacrilege that I was not you know, hook, line, and sinker in the uh, Bernie camp. And one of the things when you asked me to do this, one of the things that always comes to my mind about that show, and this is, I say this as a uh, cautionary tale regarding media, even Lip TV, that little bitty internet news show that we had, there were stories that I was told not to do. I remember one in particular. Do you remember at one point in, when ISIS or the Taliban? Yeah, it was ISIS. It wasn't the Taliban. But ISIS had suddenly gained, they had all these white Toyota trucks. Do you remember that? Okay, so everybody's wondering where these trucks were coming from. And Bill Gertz had written an uh, article for, I believe, the Washington Post. And I wanted to talk about that on Antidote. No, 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 no. The the people that were kind of running it, and they're they're friends, they're good people, but it's like they were like all about Barack Obama and Bernie and this this story where those Toyota trucks came from. I'm sorry, I have a large large dog. Um, was problematic to them, and I was actually told not to run the story, so I didn't do the story. The reason I bring it up is when people find it hard to believe that the media is controlled and that the message is controlled. I can tell you, even a little guy like me was told by the people that I work for, you're not running that story. And it actually wasn't even the owner of the company that told me that. It was just a, a guy in his like late 20s, early 30s who smoked a lot of pot and was kind of our producer that said, no, you can't do that. And also one other woman that worked there said, you can't do it. Point being is like, that was a story. They claimed that Bill Gertz was not a enough of a real journalist for me to cover that story. They just didn't like the story. So still, um, Antidote and Lip TV was my favorite job I've ever held in my life. And I loved doing it. And the opportunity was wonderful. And just like you're doing with me, it's really fun to be able to share um, honest ideas with people and have a conversation. And once you do it, you want to continue to do it. And I hope to one day do it again like yourself. Yeah, and I would just add, it's funny you mentioned Bill Gertz because yesterday I, I discovered him and uh, I think he wrote a new book on China and I put him on my potential hopeful future guest list. Um, and what you mentioned about uh, the ISIS, you know, Toyota Helix truck, pickup trucks. Yeah, that you money, are good. Uh -huh. Yeah, good. <laughs> that, that, that money was um, and, and 
armaments coming from from the U.S. You know, the Saudis, yes. the Western establishment, and I, you had that problem working in the media in the U.S. and even in Mexico. Like, how far-reaching this is. I was teaching at a top Mexican educational institution, high school and university, uh, years ago. I ran into problem. I was talking about this same stuff. I always talk about stuff that's documented, facts, and uh, I got my courses taken away from me for a while at university, uh, suspended and. I had uh, parents of students. I had a few um, U.S. American students down here in Mexico uh, send e emails to the principal calling me this crazy anti-American conspiracy theorist for talking about how the U.S. government assassinated Martin Luther King and uh, right. the financing was for ISIS was coming from us. And I'm like, that's the most patriotic thing an American can do to stop our own government's uh, corruption. And it's documented. Like we had the defense intelligence agencies, 2012, the, the document saying we're supporting ISIS and people just can't. It's, it's really hard. Um, but this kind of se segues into, you know, terrorism and all of that into the next question I had for you. Um, yes. I, I haven't talked about this. I haven't talked about 9-11 much at all in the podcast. Uh, there's different reasons for that. But, um, uh, you know, it's been 20 years since 9-11. A few years uh, after 9-11, Dylan Avery had created the internet blockbuster Loose Change, which I think factually demonstrates that 9-11 was an inside job. A false false flag operation, as yep. Lance DeHaven Smith, uh, who I've interviewed, you know, he's, he's got the book. Uh, he calls it a scad or state crime against democracy. You worked with Dylan Avery back then. He has just created a new film on 9-11 called Unspeakable. You wrote some music for it. Uh, Avery's film, along with many other resources, was a wake up call for me. After two decades, I don't know what more to say about 9-11. Uh, I feel like you either get it at this point or you don't. And nothing has been done about it. It seems nothing right. can, can be done. If we look at history, it's filled with countless examples of states terrorism by nations and empires. And basically, they get away with it. Uh, over yeah. time, the false official narrative has cemented itself. It seems the further we get away from September 11, 2001, the less chance we have for true justice coming to light. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts and feelings on 9-11 20 years later, as well as, you know, tell us about Unspeakable and the work uh, in producing uh, music you did for it? So Dylan is an old friend, and I met Dylan uh, in 2006, I believe. There was a LA, there was a 9-11 uh convention kind of thing in downtown los angeles and dylan spoke at it um william rodriguez spoke at it alex jones spoke at it. there was a lot of people there anyway dylan was there i met him and then through dylan i met my good friend and and collaborator ramo conscious who is a activist hip-hop artist photographer just a great guy and um dylan you know there for a few years man when he would come into la he would stay at my house with, you know, my wife, and my family, and, you know, he would stay with us on numerous occasions. And we became friends. I haven't seen Dylan in a while because he's back on the East coast now and doing very well for himself. But, um, so when seven came out, which was a film that he did for architects and engineers a year ago, he reached out to Ramo because Ramo did the original kind of loose change track uh back in the day and he wanted him to do a track for seven and then ramo just reaches out to me and says parker you know you want to play some guitars i was like absolutely it's one of dylan's movies of course and your song so we did that a year ago and um and then this year the same thing happened again dylan reaches out to ramo to do another track because it's a 20-year anniversary now um interesting thing about it i have not seen the film yet ramo had only seen bits and pieces of it and i think that this is more of a thoughtful thoughtful this is just about the families arriving kind of at the place that you're describing, which I don't like saying this, but I think that I've long ago come to a place that 
I don't, uh, there are things that will not be reconciled in our lifetimes. Um, for them to be reconciled means a much larger set of events must occur. And I don't, you know, we're still talking about JFK, right? I mean, I think we all have a very good idea what happened there, but um, it's never, the truth has not come out about that. So I don't think that the truth about 9-11 will come out in our lifetime. If it does, it may be as a byproduct of events that are very radical to our current state of living. So anyway, so that's something that for me, um, and it's also a very complex subject. I have friends that, you know, you could broach that subject and it would just infuriate them these days. And and I lost a lot of friends at that time. And it's, it's so complex that you can't tell somebody in 15 minutes, you know, what you think happened because it's, it's not, it's not the U.S. government. It's it, it's something that's far more insidious and and subtle and far-reaching than that. But anyway, I, I don't want to get off too much on that. But yes, yeah, so that film, I guess, I thought it was supposed to start playing this past week um, in New York, but I just got a text from uh, Ramo yesterday that Dylan was finishing putting the credits on the new film. So it will be out for distribution, um, I guess, within the next probably a week or two. And I hope that everybody will watch it because I know that they put a lot of heart in this and, and it follows four families who had family members um, perish in 9-11. Yeah, I, I was looking for it as well. I thought it would be published. Uh, it would go to the theater first for like a week at somewhere in yeah. New York and then it would go up on, on YouTube. Like uh, I thought it was the 17th or, or tomorrow, but I guess we'll just wait a little bit longer. And then... Yeah. Um, and I, I would agree with you. Uh, you kind of put it succinctly what, what's going on with 9-11. Like, it's not, I mean, we're still talking about JFK and, 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 yeah. um, and it would take like, it would be these civilizational uh, radical events would be like, you know, wars or complete radical political economic revolution that, that would lead up to or be a consequence of, of, of revealing of what, what happened uh, really on 9-11. And like I said, history shows us that so many countries, you know, it's not just the United States. And you said it's not the U.S. government. It's this, you know, deep state insidious force that's been around since forever. Yeah. And every nation's done it. You know, uh, I can cite the Russian government in 1999, I believe, took down the, you know, there were four Mo Moscow, uh, the Moscow bombing, apartment bombings. Yeah. I I've looked at that, the Russian government, you know, Turkey's done it, Israel, South Africa, Germany, Roman Empire, you know, you it's name the oldest it. trick in the book, my friend. Yeah, I mean, so uh, anyways, you, you were talking at the beginning uh, about this. And so I, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on looking at the big picture of U.S. politics, economy, the empire uh, in general. Uh, as I said, as you said, you know, I, I'm a Chicagoan. You're a Texan, Californian. Uh, you've had a very interesting life experience and talked to many people. And so I think you're good at picking up on the zeitgeist. Uh, I've long felt that the U.S. or the American empire had been um, on terminal decline that would lead to to cultural degeneracy, economic collapse, totalitarianism, and eventually uh, a great war. Uh, I feel that now this is becoming evidence. Uh, you were mentioning before the interview that, you know, if, if we look at your antidote uh, episodes like five, six years ago, like it, it's all, you know, it's coming true. It's like, who, who couldn't see that uh, this would yes. happen? And so, you know, there, there's no shortage of degeneracy from pedophilia on uh, Netflix with that movie, movie uh, Cuties to the inversion of cultural tradition and norms to a rapper selling satanic sneakers and performing anal sex with the devil in a music video, which apparently today is 
popular culture. Um, you know, on the economy, clearly we're reaching bubble proportions we have not seen in all of human history. And now the U.S. is openly transitioning to a totalitarianism that yes. has elements of fascism, communism, monopoly capitalism, and ultimately technocracy or a biosecurity state, you know. And for the cherry on top, preparations are being made for war with China. So, you know, that's a lot to unpack, but, you know, we've got time. And so, you know, please indulge us on, on your, your snapshot of where America is today. That was an excellent set of snapshots you just presented. And, you know, the word technocracy, um, it is a real thing. I mean, it is the culmination. I I have spent probably 25, 30 years. It's weird to have this kind of information search as a hobby, <laughs> but um, it, it has been. I'm just a curious person. And I mean, this is the culmination of, I, I mean, I can't believe that people don't see it, but I know why people don't see it. And it gets back to the thing that we were talking about at the beginning. And I believe that intellectual force has been so strongly exerted on the mind of the American people. You mentioned, you know, little Nas and nonsense like that. I mean, it is just so appalling. I mean, I can't watch an award show. I can't watch um, major media news. I am a big football fan and I, I, I can't, e I don't even really enjoy football anymore because the messaging of woke culture is so insidious. And I know that it's not, it's not, um, it's not authentic. It is division for a larger purpose, which is to divide us and demoralize us and to be and to we're exhausted because we work all the time. None of us have any money because we're leveraged to the hilt, just keeping our cars and our homes afloat and things like that. And we're all told, you know, what a terrible history the American country has um, and that we are, you know, that that we're racist. And I mean, it's just it is meant to break you. It's like being a battered wife. The entire population of the United States is like a battered wife. There are those who accept it and love the husband. And then there are those who hate it, but don't exactly know what to do. It's funny. I have a friend and uh, <laughs> it was one of the points that I want to bring up to you, which is that some of the smartest people I know are actually some of the least educated. And because like, and when I say least educated, I don't mean that they dropped out. It's just, they didn't go to college or if they did go to college, you know, they, they left. But my point being is some of the most educated people that I know are actually pretty thick and so fully indoctrinated with the message that they can't even see what's clearly in front of them. I mean, we are living in a national, the emperor has no clothes situation. We are being told every day that, you know, this is this, that is that, both of which are actually the reverse. Um, and I had this, I have this friend that I was, anyway, he's a punk rocker and he's a contractor and super intelligent, one of the smartest people that I know. And he chooses to live his life as a contractor carpenter. And um, like, you know, like me back when we were all into music, you know, you, you might grow up one way, but then in your twenties and thirties, you become pretty liberal because, you know, it just, it makes sense, you know? Um, and then the older you get, you're like, well, wait a minute, that's kind of a, that isn't the full bill of goods. I thought that I was being sold. This is actually a very soft velvet glove meant to beat me down and control me. 
Um, anyway, he was saying to me the other day, cause it was his birthday and I was wishing him a happy birthday. And he was just saying, Parker, this is our time. We, you know, we were, we were meant for this. And it's like, I hope that I can arise to that occasion because it's so easy to not rise to that occasion and censorship in its most ef- effective sense is self-censorship. A person like yourself doing the job that you're doing right now is, is hard to do. And I'm sure that, you know, you know, you're, you're being forced to ask for contributions through Patreon and things like that. And then I don't know if you have a YouTube channel, but if you do, I doubt it's monetized. So, I mean, well, my, we, my, pa- my Patreon was canceled, terminated yeah. a few months ago. And there you go. So, and I, I just I've stopped monetizing uh, YouTube. So I'm just relying on donations and, and, and well, other things. So, yeah, <laughs> that and that's my point. It's like if I wanted to fully sell out, I would just go pro Biden, pro Newsom, pro mask pro uh, critical race theory, pro BLM, just get on board with all of those things. And they'd probably say, Parker, you finally got on board, man. Let's let's get you a job. But that's not my thing. And for those of us who want to tackle these tough issues and speak to them in adult moral sense, it's not particularly um, it's not for the, the weak of heart. Um, you're not going to make a lot of money at it, and you could, you'll probably lose friends over it. And if you decide to go do something else after it, it could affect your future work history. So self-censorship is super effective in getting people that are critical thinkers to not do anything because they just have too much to lose in a civilization, in a, in a, in a country where everybody is listening to terrible music, <laughs> you know, playing video games, staring at their phones, um, caring more about what happened to this poor girl that was in the van and freeing Brittany than for their own personal well-being. Yeah. And I, I would just add, you know, I've always been this way about searching for the truth and like there's nothing you can do to change my mind i'm like that little like a little cockroach yeah. you, you know you try to shut me down and it's like you smack me with the newspaper and you broke into my legs and i'm gonna still <laughs> still be growing crawling forward like I, I just can't help it i have to know i want to know and i have to keep doing what i'm doing regard you, you know i've had a gun put to my head before not, not in mexico in, in the united states uh and I, even to the point of death, you know, it's just like, I can't help it. I'm one of those people. Like you said, you, there's a few people like this uh, in, in, in history. And just you know, what are your thoughts? And then like what's happening in America and, you know, where we're going, you know, what, what's coming next in terms of uh, the economy, the the political system? It's it's really starting to get crazy. Uh, Biden's just passing this. Uh, so no foreigners can go into the U.S. soon without being vaccinated. So right. my wife is not a U.S. citizen. So this means that. I, this is via airplane. So then we won't be able to go back uh, yeah. to America. And so all these crazy, now they want to, this new law about the IRS um, uh, having access to American bank accounts uh, to look at uh, purchases uh, over $600. I mean, all this crazy stuff. I mean, what are your thoughts? What's coming next? Okay. So let me counter that. Everything you just said would apply, which applies to normal, hardworking people of all walks of life. Guess what? Here in California, I can go into a drugstore and still up to like $950 worth of merchandise and just walk out with it. And it's, I will not get arrested. We are in societal freefall. You know, a couple of years ago, I did a podcast on the rat infestation of Los Angeles and just how, I mean, we have bubonic plague and, and, you know, they were talking about typhus at the time, but I mean, this is, this is endemic rot. This is 
This is things happening that are not being addressed, and people are pretending that they that they aren't happening or that we are inhumane to address them. So my initial vision for the future is not super bright. I mean, I remain hopeful because the human spirit um, is indomitable, but how long it's going to take, I don't know. And, you know, now I'm reading articles finally that some of the doctors are saying, you know what, we're, we can no longer take part in this COVID thing. Um, but I have friends in the medical community and I want to ask them questions out of state, but um, I don't think that there's going to be, listen, Gavin Newsom won. Biden won. I mean, since Biden won, I told my sister a year ago before Biden won, if if Biden wins, the price of oil will go up. We will have a war. And price of oil's gone up. Um not a huge amount, but enough that it certainly affects um most transportation costs. We are not in a war yet, or are we? Now, the Afghanistan thing, just to pivot for a second, that was an absolute debacle. And I heard one of your guests describe it as a national humiliation for the United States, which it was. Over the summer, another friend of mine approached me, and I'll give you this person's name because I think you should perhaps interview him at some point. He is a photographer, very well connected. Anyway, he was asking me, hey, Parker, if we did a show, what do you want to talk about? And this was right when the news of the Afghanistan pullout was beginning to break. And here in America, it was just like nobody was paying any attention. So this is probably, I don't know, mid to late June. And one of the first things that caught my eye was how we just walked off Bagram Air Force Base one night, just like, you know, we dropped the keys on the on the way out, left the cars, you know, it was just, I mean, I'm like, why are people not yelling and screaming about this? And so for about a month, you know, nobody really pays attention. And then when we finally make the withdrawal, and, um, and it makes the news because people are hanging on the sides of airplanes and it's a complete human disaster. All of a sudden, you know, a lot of Americans in the media are acting like, well, how could this have happened? Well, a month ago, we were some of us were already discussing this and you played it off like it was nothing. And Biden could have been a hero. Biden could have been the hero in this. He could have taken the withdrawal, which was already set up to happen. And we were supposed to withdraw on, on, on May 31st. He did not do that. And by doing that, he further infuriates the Taliban. And we didn't get anything out of the deal by waiting longer for him to do this. I mean, it's not like we waited because we needed to get some things together. We got nothing together. We left people behind. We left our allies behind. We left trucks. We left money. We left weapons. We left vehicles. For what purpose? I'm not sure. I do not think it's incompetence because it would be incompetent so far off the charts as to be. Really, just I, I, I don't think that's what happened. There's another agenda at foot, which we could, you know, theorize on. But point being is, right now we had infrastructure failures here in the U.S. in the first months of this year. We Texas massive energy producing power grid fails. Okay, so there's three power grids in the United States, of which the Texas power grid is one of them. So you're telling me, I'll, and even my father, I grew up in the oil business, full disclosure here, hate me if you want to, I grew up in the oil business. My dad knows a lot about the oil business, and he, he even bought it that, you know, oh, well, we just couldn't handle it. I don't think that's the case. I think it was political retaliation for being a red state. I Straight up, that's what I think it was. And then, you know, we had issues in... Uh, in Florida later. So we are in what I believe is a controlled collapse once again. And 
the demoralization of the American people is is what's happening. And most people, well, it depends on your political alignment. Some people see this as some people are angry about it, like myself, and they tend to lean to maybe more conservative or libertarian type views where those on the left who hated Trump. And really, that is their only platform is their hatred of Trump. So now they're embracing the vaccine, which ironically was partially brought to you by Trump. They're embracing the COVID lockdowns ad infinitum for the rest of our lives and um, turning in your neighbor, spying on your neighbor, um, a ongoing police state. So those are the two kind of things that we have in America now, which are in some ways, I don't want to use when you, when you say civil war, it seems a little bit, I don't know. I, I don't like using, but there's certainly a war of polarity happening within the United States. What I think it's really about is a loss of identity of the United States. And that was intended to happen. Yeah. And just wanted to get uh, just maybe just for a quick moment to theorize a, a bit on, on what you mentioned about uh, Afghanistan, you know, just to toot my horn uh, a little bit because, you know, you know I, I need the, the support of that. But it seems like just like Anadot has, I've been front running uh, a lot of topics. You know, uh, I, I got kind of um, a lot of attention last year for doing the first interview with Francis Boyle, the bioweapons expert who, who I saw um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Who who said it was a, you know, bio weapon and that got blew up i even had the associated press and nato write a piece mentioning that uh, on me the same week that my patreon was terminated in february you know very go figure coincidences and um i had scott ritter the u.n weapons expect yes. inspector talk about just like a few months ago you know i think it was back in the spring like march or something or april talking about afghanistan and pretty much what he said would happen is happening so like a lot of people guests that i have on are telling you the future and i have um, listeners who tell me that they send they say you know my telegram channel and my podcast tells you what happens months uh, in advance but just your, your theory i also agree with you i don't think it's uh, incompetence what, what they did in afghanistan and no, none of this is incompetence they have strategic uh, plans they're not that uh, stupid and you know do you think there's when you, when you mention wars you know is this the obvious like like uh, yesterday i was watching the 60 minutes australia they put out basically a propaganda piece about war with china and they're really pushing it aggressively like basically saying we're going to have a war uh, with China, uh, you know, the West. And it, it feels like this is the preparations for war with China. And I don't know if, if that's what you're thinking, what, what happened with the Taliban, that, that has something to do with, uh, you know, moving in, uh, arming them, you know, something to do with war with Russia and China. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, let me applaud you for doing the work that you're doing. And I mean, all of the episodes that I've watched in preparation for this, it is excellent work. So uh, you actually give me hope. Um, I have been producing shows for other people for the last couple of years. And, you know, it's, this is the ongoing battle within myself. And do I have the guts to do what you're doing right now and say these things? And it's so I applaud you for doing that in regards to Afghanistan, in regards to a war with China. It's just like the hyperinflation talk. I've been hearing this for decades. I mean, the, the war with China has been that's been like a meme even before there were memes. For people that had their ears to the ground, that seemed like the die had already been casted. At some point, we're going to do this thing. And even before Biden got in, there was talk that eventually, you know, we were going to have hyperinflation. So I think that the chances of those things happening, certainly with hyperinflation, that's going to happen for sure within the U.S. Um, the war with China, I hope that it doesn't happen. But I think that the way that it happens is it's already happening. It's just not happening in a way that people listen this is the 21st century, so we shouldn't be fighting wars 
in in old fa- in those old ways. I mean, information, uh, viruses, um, finances. That's kind of the new way to wage war. But to your question about the Afghanistan thing, it does make you wonder why did we leave all of that money? Why did we leave all those vehicles? Why do we leave all those guns? Now, there is arguments. Oh, well, you know, those vehicles are not going to run because we pour chemicals into the engines, which makes the engine cease. I don't know if that's true or not. All I know is we left a ton of money and a ton of armaments and vehicles. um, And at the very least, um, the aircraft that we left could be seized by China and just back engineered if they haven't already taken our um, technology back in that in 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 the nineties through the Clintons, like they did with the, uh, the nuclear submarines, which you may or may not remember. But anyway, um, it does make you wonder if somehow we were arming the Taliban for a future um, conflagration with China or someone else, which let me just pivot for a second. I heard one of your guests said something really interesting the other day about China. I forget the gentleman's name, but he was talking about this idea that the elites kind of, envision China as their model society and that, you know, they're going to use China and, but China being too smart for that is going to kind of double cross the elites. And what I would say to that, I partially agree with that. However, I guess what I would say is what I would count on in regards to China or the elites or any country, what you can count on is for that count, that country, an entity to ask in its, to act in its own best interests. At the end of the day, they're going to act in their own best interest. And, and I've got to take my hat off to China. Um, I think the whole COVID thing was blamed on China, partially as a as general, uh, what's the what's word I'm looking for? Uh, deniability, uh, plausible deniability. I, you know, you mentioned all of the various simulations and and wargaming that occurred regarding COVID. So I'm not saying that China wasn't involved. I'm just saying they made a great scapegoat because there were other people that were partnered with this, including the United States and including some of these transnationalist elitists who had the great reset and these things on their mind. But by blaming it on China, you know, as, oh, well, this is all strictly China's doing, um, that gives us this plausible deniability. And now I see this article that came out today in the Daily Mail, where they're talking about the fact, and I think George Webb uh, mentioned this probably a year and a half ago, um, saying that the first signs of COVID may have actually shown up in China in October um, of 2019 at those those military tournament games that they were having. And that came out in the in the UK Mail or the Daily Mail today. Um so as far as a war with China, I hope that never happens. But in some ways, I think that we're already in it. And this is 21st century warfare. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've spoken a number of times with Gregory Copley, uh, you know, a defense expert who briefs the, the, the Pentagon. And um, people can check out the interview I've, I've done with him. He said he calls it the new total war, uh, just as you described it. We're, we're, we're in it uh, already. Um, and that's always been my burning question, what you brought up between is the West, is the East on board with the West, you know, China, uh, Russia or not? Because for, for me, it's more, it's, the, it's more like if China and Russia are, as you say, gonna, at the end of the day, going to be more independent, that kind of gives me hope that, yes. that, 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 that they're not going to take over the whole planet and 
you know kill us all make make us live in right. this tyranny uh, but it, then if it's not then if, if russia and china are, are on board with the west then every nation is going to become this crazy like uh police state which kind of brings me to to my the last topic i wanted to broach on and you, you can uh, look at another uh, mention any, any other topics after that but you know you've looked at for years you've looked at transhumanism secret societies the occult um mm-hmm. and it really seems that the crown virus 1984 and the great reset are the initiation into the new world order they've taken reign of literally all nations are destroying the economies political systems cultural institutions here in mexico for example i mean they're trying to implement laws that are completely anti constitutional i mean i just bought three mexican constitutions over the weekend the tourism board uh, the mexican tourism board um is proposing to the federal mexican go- mexican government to force all foreign nationals and mexicans who are who have left Mexico and are coming back in to demonstrate a vaccine certificate or negative PCR test, which goes against Article 11 of, of the Mexican Constitution, which says, says you cannot bar anyone from coming back uh, uh, into the country. And, and so, I mean, it's all just uh, crazy. And it's like they're making a new system that will be founded upon some uh, a global dystopian digital dictatorship. Um, you know, what are you hearing from your friends, acquaintances and doing your research? You know, what are your thoughts about this great re- great reset, uh, where we're going, is it going to succeed or, or not? Uh, and, and you know what what it would look like. What you just explained, I think, is what's happening. <laughs> and um, you know, the other day, this is this is this is how because you mentioned, and here again, this is not a new idea. What I'm about to express, and and some people say here again, ah, uh, you know, that's the c word, conspiracy. But okay, so the ultra elite, the one percent of the one percent, and and even those who just want to be like Hollywood entertainers, their messaging is so bad. Um, so the other day, my my wife's watching the Emmys or whatever. Then I'm watching a football game the other day, and then um, the Barack Obama's birthday party. You know that they have. You know it's at all three of these events. Uh, you know, I'm seeing Ed Sheeran up in the owner's box at a Dallas Cowboys game. No masks. Emmys, no mask. Barack Obama's birthday party, no mask. And don't get me wrong. I don't think the masks do hardly anything. But if you're going to enforce that on my children in schools, then you should at least have the common sense to be while you're on camera to be wearing them. And the COVID thing. Yes, this is. I have I have two teenage daughters. And it makes me very sad because I, you know, I'm I'm in my late fifties. I've seen a lot, and um, I had a, I, I've had a really good life in the U.S. and I was able to do a lot of fun things and express myself and, you know, make stupid mistakes and live my life. And now through this COVID thing, you know, people are just giving up their their personal sovereignty of their human body. They are abiding rules that make no sense. They say, follow the science when the science is changing week to week. And I mean, Fauci, anybody that just looks how how he handled AIDS in the 80s should know this man is, he's dangerous. And um, we're doing the same things with COVID that we did in the 80s, which is, if this is really, truly a global pandemic, and yes, I know that it's killing people. But my point is, respiratory diseases of many types kill millions of people annually. So if this is a global pandemic, then all therapies should be on the table. 
right? Okay. If you want to have vaccines, that's fine. Have the vaccines, make the vaccines, but you should also be allowing the off-label use of proven therapeutics that are FDA approved. The H, you know, ACQ, Ivermectin. Now they're talking about lysine, which is an amino acid um, helping out high doses of vitamin C. All of this should be on the table and all of it should be encouraged, but that's not how they're approaching this because they want to maintain control and mutate us into this post-COVID thing, which basically looks like a dystopian science fiction film in which the top 1% of the 1% live their life like they do in the front of that, that train, <laughs> uh, Snowpiercer train. You know, they're partying and whooping it up while the rest of us live in grime at the back of the train. Um, and I try to explain to people, this is not about money. They already have all of the finances that they could ever need. It's not about that. It's about something that they find more important to them, which is just the beautiful earth, the Gaia. And, uh, you know, so we need to get rid of a lot of you folks so that we could save the earth for us. You know, we'll need a, we'll keep a few of you around, but, um, you know, and I know these aren't new ideas. These are things that your listeners have probably heard, but I do believe that's what's happening. Now, will it be successful? I do not know. I am hopeful that, I mean, listen, the other day, uh, Nicki Minaj, of all things, who even thought Nicki Minaj was even relevant anymore? And uh, so she gets in this big uh, briar patch talking about the vaccine and everything. And next thing I see is Nicki Minaj fans in front of the CDC. So the one thing that I'm hopeful for is is the, is the concept of novelty, which is the the unforeseen, the the catalyst that some suddenly happens from a place that none of us expect that turns the tide. Now, I'm not saying that that's Nicki Minaj necessarily, but it's just kind of the latest example of something that I wouldn't have predicted having any ripples whatsoever. And uh, but every time something like that happens, or every time a doctor walks off their job, or a, a whistleblower speaks to this, or someone within government speaks to this. Um, it gives someone else the courage to stand up and do what they feel like they should do. So it, it's it's a long game for sure. I don't think this is a slam dunk for those who want the Great Reset right now. I think um, I think one of the countries that's unfortunately suffering the most from it and buying it whole hog is is unfortunately the U.S., which gets me back to my thing earlier, which is sometimes the more educated you are, the more indoctrinated you are. And those people are working in offices behind computers all day. They're not mixing it up in the real world, seeing how people belabor in the real world. Um, and sometimes it's just very easy to get inside your head and think, well, this utopian rainbow and unicorn uh, vision um, is all going to work out, but it, it doesn't work out like that. And so I remain hopeful, but I admit I'm moving to Texas the first chance I get. I, you know, the, the thing for me that's the most alarming is the speed with, with which everything Absolutely. Is, is happening. It's insane. And I remember like 10, 15 years ago, you know, I was teaching it in my classes, telling it to friends, like, you know, they have the plans to do this and this. And it's like, you know, years pass, nothing, nothing's going on. People are laughing at me, mocking at me. Just for example, yesterday, two huge things happened yesterday. Just like our Mexican president, AMLO, who has kind of been not locking down Mexico right. and retaining sovereignty of Mexico. Something interesting for I taught a course called North American Scenarios here in Mexico. And for years, I was saying that the EU is the model 
the uh, model of technocracy and world government that they want to export to the rest of the world to create regional unions like North American Union. In fact, I did the last living interview with Dr. Robert Pastor, who's known, he worked for the Council on Foreign Relations, he wrote the book, North American Community, uh, father of the North American Union. Uh, He passed away like a month after I did the interview with him in 2013. Um, AMLO just came out saying that we need to create, uh, integrate U.S., Canada, and, you know, Mexico needs to integrate with U.S. and Canada based on the model, literally, he said, uh, of the European Union. Yeah. Like, yeah. how fast are they moving? And then I just yeah. read yesterday, I found a tweet from a credible source saying that, you know, Brexit, UK just left EU. And now they want to have talks, UK, with Canada, U.S. and Mexico about joining the U.S. MCA, which is the genesis of the North American Union. You go back to 1939. And I was talking about this in my classes on European regional scenarios, where there's the 1939 plan by Clarence Strait to create an Atlantic Union that would begin with Britain joining the U.S. Here we have now Britain talking about joining the U.S. in this regional union. So things are just going so fast. It's it's mind boggling, as well as with all this technocratic stuff, you know, in Mexico here, the, the, the banks now force you to turn on your uh, geolocation or you can't use your bank app. Uh, now they're talking about uh, you can't use your mobile SIM without uh, registering your, your biometrics. And so things are just going nuts. And uh, I don't know if you have any other topic uh, that, that you wanted to bring up that we haven't broached or a final thought uh, for us. Well, I, I first of all, I just want to Thank you for having me on. I mean, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It actually gives me hope. Um, it's good to speak with like-minded people, and it's good to to have a voice. And I appreciate what you're doing. And I'm, I, I, like I say, I, I consider you a friend now, just from our hour-long conversation. And I would love to do this again. And like I say, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I want to be hopeful. Um, and I just want to see. America lead again. I mean, I'm an unabashed America first guy. I'm a non-interventionist. I, 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 Ron Paul is kind of my political North star. And like, I just want to do business and I want people to flourish and I don't want to have wars and I want to stay out of people's business. And, you know, I think that's a good way to, to, to help other people is to stay out of their business <laughs> and um, ask them for, I mean, give them help if they ask you for help, but don't force your way upon them. And um, one last thing about COVID is my hope is that if you have to force things on people, eventually people realize, well, wait a minute, if this was good for me, you wouldn't have to force me so hard. I would just do these things out of my own uh, self-preservation. But I'm hoping that as the as this crew keeps tightening and they keep moving faster, as you just said, that people will come around to our side. And, you know, and, and, and this is not a partisan thing, freedom and uh, liberty that, that that's for all people, for all walks of life and for all political parties. And I just hope that my fellow Americans quit being kind of sucked into this tribalism that has affected us so badly in the last, you know, I mean, the 21st century has been awful for the United States of America, in my opinion. And, um, but I hope that, you know, we're going to turn a car corner. I saw a great meme this week that said, even if they came out with a medicine that was amazing and did amazing things, like it was proven for sure, forcing that upon people would still be wrong. And I, I, I totally uh, agree. And I'm proud to say that 
I, I think Ron Paul was the only presidential candidate that I've ever voted for uh, in right my on. life. And I, I, got, I had the chance to speak with his um, right-hand man, Daniel McAdams, a few years ago on a podcast. Great guy. Yeah, Great guy. Very cool. And um, I had another thought, but I, I think it's left me. And uh, so, yeah. So you're on Twitter at Michael Parker LA. And Michael Parker LA. People can find the old uh, antidote playlist. They can go back and watch those uh, and tell us, you know, about. What, I, I've been wondering what, what you've been working on for the last five years. Are there any other website projects uh, that you're working on that we should know about? Um, yeah, I, I still do stuff. I'm looking to put together another show of some kind, and and I you'll be one of the first people I tell. But in the past, I've I I still release music. Um, I please look for Rainbow Conscious. That's uh, the the vocalist whose name this is under. The song is called Unspeakable. It's on It's on every music platform you can find. If you like Rage Against Machine, if you like hip hop, you'll like this. Um, it speaks to that. But I also have done shows for other companies. I actually did a Christian show on more of the historical. It was almost a Game of Thrones look at the nativity story. I am not a biblical historian, but one of my friends is, and he asked me to collaborate with it on him. So that's called uh, God Save the King. It, it, it's out there on the internet. It's it was super interesting to me. I am essentially a Christian, but I don't, you know, I'm not pushing that on anybody, but just the intrigue that surrounded the whole thing blew my mind. So I did that. I did another uh, show called Dissectus for a company on um, YouTube called Pizza Flicks. And that was a dissecting a show called One Step Beyond, which was kind of a precursor to the Twilight Zone and uh, Night Gallery. So the spiritual matters have always kind of been actually my real favorite subject. And, um, you know, I still delve into the UFO topic, which was really how I got into this whole business in the first place. But um, yes, just look for me. I'm on social media. I'm easy to find Michael Parker, LA. And um, if you get a chance, play some of the music. All right. I love talking to such humble, informed, open-minded people like Michael Parker, who gets what's really going on. Uh, be sure to, again, be sure to check out his work, Twitter, uh, as well as hiddentruthshow.com. I think uh, you work on that and buy his new track with Remo Consciousness for Dylan Avery's new unspeakable film. Uh, thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. This has been a blast. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page, and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, BitChute, and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app. To help keep this podcast alive, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms, and Leave a donation, if possible, via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.